Tenacious D. Cumrad. Oh, the hot dog! Oh, no. We are here with the Glass One Third Empty Podcast, and this is the third episode of our Indie Chatter series, which we just started. This week, we have Mike Manor here, um, a fellow Boston boy with me right now. Um, this is our first guest in person, actually. Um, Boston, uh, yeah, Mike sitting, probably. yeah, Mike sitting right next to me on my apartment couch, and we're kind of sweating in here because it's warm, but there's a party, ha- not, not a party, but it's like. Uh, a, f- a rager. Yeah, that's <laughs> a good It's way a rager. To, <laughs> it's a good way to put it. They're playing Drake, and they just switched over to Kings of Leon, so it's, it's getting pretty. They have no plans of stopping. So we had to close the windows. The heater is automatically going, and we got we have no way to stop it. Um, but it is like mid forties outside and kind of raining, so it's not to say that it's warm outside at all. Um, <laughs> it's tolerable. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Mike, welcome. We've been wanting Thank to get you. you on for a while. So cool. Uh, I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I was trying to remember how we first came in contact, and it was actually through, I don't, I think, I call him Japan. I don't know if it's like just JPN. Oh, yeah, I, I say Japan. I think it's Japan. Yeah. The producer that Everyday Deja Vu's worked with. Um, and Mike had done some sort of, I think he did a mini video for him through yep. one of his one songs. Mm-hmm. And Japan retweeted it, yada yada. We were working with him. We want him to do a sticker for one of our releases. And since then, Mike has worked on every every Deja Vu project since, which has been probably like seven. Yeah, that's crazy. Like I didn't realize seven. that. I have yeah. one more to give you, actually. It's over there. Oh, shit. Um, I'm very excited. <laughs> but yeah, um, Mike's on here. We're going to talk about some cool stuff, um, like him working with Flying Lotus, um, him working with a bunch of L.A. rappers and stuff on his... Um, animated series oh, Super yeah. IT Friends. Mm-hmm. Um, his play that he's working on, I kind of want to talk to him about like the topics in that. Just whatever else comes up. Um, but yeah, before that, before recording this, we were kind of talking about the Boston music. Not even music scene. Just the, the music that gets played in bars around Boston. Especially in closer to the city. Yes. Fenway. It's heinous. It's pretty bad. Yes. Um, Patrick got to witness it like a month ago. Yeah. I feel like if you guys like went out to certain areas of Boston, it gets a lot better. Yeah. Like I, feel... I would actually, I'd really disagree with that. You know, <laughs> really? I've, I've lived in Boston how, how, how... for a long time and I've, I've really been mad the entire time. Oh, really? <laughs> I was going to say, I guess I... that's just my, my hope shining. I feel me. like I haven't been out enough to make that claim, but. So, maybe maybe you just did for me. I go to the same bar every Friday night, and it's uh, the model in Brighton, and the DJ there is a fifty-year-old hairdresser, and she, and <laughs> and she has a good taste in music, but she she like will hide it, but occasionally like you're there, she'll be like playing like some '80s throwbacks, all the hipster kids are loving it, but then one time she played like Future Move That Dope. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> what are you doing, Eve? Who, who showed you this? <laughs> Eve knows. Eve knows what's up. Eve knows, yeah. She's got to appeal to the crowd. I just, I'm always like, go up to her. I'll be like, you got to play Bricks. Or <laughs> you got to play, um, like, Mercy. It's just something to get me really excited. She's always down for that. She's always like, yes, somebody. <laughs> How long have you lived in Boston? I've lived in Boston now for about, like, four or five years. Mm-hmm. What'd you move there for? 
So I moved there for uh, a job, like post college. I got a job off Craigslist right away, oh. which was nice. yeah. I don't know. I didn't know what I was thinking when I was that age. I didn't really know how to like get a job or anything like that. So I was like, oh yeah, there's like a job section on Craigslist. <laughs> That's actually how I got my first full time job. It was crazy. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Where'd you move from? Uh, middle of the state, like the Worcester area of like Massachusetts. So Northboro, more specifically. It's like a very uh, white picket fancy, suburby, bubbly, you know, everybody cares about who the prom king, prom queen is kind of place, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did, so you've been a mass boy your whole life? Mass boy my whole <laughs> life, yep, yep. Or a mass Is that hole. what they call them there? Mass I, call them mass boy I, I think they like to be called mass holes, you know. Oh. I, the, the, they I know, love that shit. There's this one spot in the corner of an Austin house. I walked by, like, every day while I was living in Austin, that they have, like, their faces drawn on, like, a sign. And they say have like mass holes under it. Oh my god! It, yeah, it's like caricatures drawn of them. Can you believe there, there's so many people who love like the the, <laughs> I don't know the narrative of being from Massachusetts. Yeah, it's really wild. It's it's. They really like wild. wear it with a badge of honor. They do, yeah. They love like they love all the shit that everybody else loves. They love like the pock the car thing, you know. They love when they see <laughs> like they go to like a restaurant and they see a menu and they like have some sort of weird Boston accent. Like people from Boston love that shit. Yeah, Boston. <laughs> Somebody they're, they're... from Boston's gonna be like, "I hate you." For saying yeah. that. <laughs> we lost a yeah. Boston fan in game like two New York fans. <laughs> yeah. I'm here to speak for all of Boston. I hope everybody knows that. <laughs> I'm the liaison, the ambassador. But um, all right. So actually, um, speaking about how you got a job out of college, mm-hmm. um, what were you doing with that? like at that time? And were you straight out of college? Yeah, pretty much. It was like, uh, so I got like a communication degree, which I like to refer to as my glorified coloring book degree. And you just like, <laughs> don't really know like what to do, you know, like the, like a communication job. I got a whole prepared speech for communication majors. And, you know, a communications job is like if an athlete like screwed up and like, I don't know, like hit somebody with a car or something, their communications team would like issue a statement but yet the communication degree is like the poo-poo platter of all media. You're like, oh, maybe I want to be here, or maybe I want to be in this, maybe I want to do that. But ultimately, like, unless you're building a skill, you're, uh, you're, you're not really going to be, like, being able to, like, sell yourself after yeah. that. So I'd always been into, like, YouTube and video editing and stuff like that. I made videos for a long time. So I sort of used that to convince this web and app design firm to hire me to do all their video stuff. You think you would have gotten that job without the degree? Oh no! I definitely wouldn't have got without the degree. Like, like I needed the degree okay. to get that job, but that was a terrible job. So, <laughs> when did when did you when did you pick up like video editing and stuff like that? Like, did you pick that up in college? Uh, I've really been doing that since I was like a kid. Kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, my parents had like a camcorder, and I like figured out how to hook it up to the computer, and we would just like make stupid home movies, and I'd like edit it on Windows Movie Maker, and then you're like, oh, what's Premiere Pro? And then, yeah, sort of all scales up from there. Yeah, um, so the play you wrote that you sent me, I don't, I don't want to get too much into it because, like, I guess the whole world hasn't hurt, like, got a chance to yeah, get that, into that's that. That's fine, yeah. But um, it dives into like the topics of like that limbo between like after college and yes. kind of being like pathless. Yeah. And mm-hmm. how you deal with it emotionally, because I feel like a lot of people are told go to college, mm-hmm. but no one's told what do you do between going to college and after college mm-hmm. so is that what the play is yeah like largely nobody prepares you for what it means like 
whether you're a student who got like a full ride or you're a student who had to work the whole time, like the thing that nothing can prepare you for in leaving that is that you no longer have like a direction. You no longer have somebody to like tell you like, yeah, you're doing the good thing. Like keep following the steps. Like keep checking the boxes. Like at a certain yeah. point, you just and, fall. And there's, and there, yeah, and there's no fallback either. There's nothing like, there's nothing like, oh, like, yeah, I have no idea what I'm doing with my life, but I'm in college right now. You yeah, know? it's yeah, yeah, exactly. When you're in college, you're like, okay, well, I know I'm like headed the right way, but at a certain point, you start trying things after that, and you're like, oh, is this right? Is this wrong? <laughs> and there's just crickets, and you're like, oh shit. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. being if if like an older person, let's say, is like, so what school do you go to? And let's say I were to tell them I go to FIU, and they're like, oh, that's such a good school, this that, and then it's like, mm-hmm. but it means nothing. Yeah, like there's they don't know like what I'm doing to get to like point. B, C, or D. Mm-hmm. They just care that I'm at point A right now, and point A sounds good, and people were told that point A is what you're supposed to do. Yeah, yeah, more or less it's about, like, I mean, I guess, like, sort of on the play, it's about the ambiguous space in between. I mean, for me, what sort of inspired that whole play was there was a time, it was actually more, I'd sort of followed the path, right? I got my job after college, and then I lost my job. I actually got fired from that job. And, like, a week later, the girl who I'd been, like, living with also split up with me. So it was yeah. sort of like, shit, I'm in Boston, and I don't really know who of my friends is here because I was so wrapped up in this relationship, and I was like, all right, what do we do with this space? How do you build up from scratch? Um, so, yeah, that's the sort of play yeah. is like about... And that's rough being in Boston because it's, like, expensive. <laughs> yeah, it's like, super expensive, man. And I remember I just, like, had gotten, yeah, like, snagged an apartment, and I was like, cool, now I get to, like, burn through, the you know, the, the, the small, small pile of money that I have left here. And uh, just... Mike. What what made you write a play instead of, like, a screenplay or something like that? So, like, writing for me at that point in time was, like, a relatively, like, new thing. I just took, like, a playwriting course in college, and so I knew how to do that. And that was pretty much it. Okay. I wasn't really, like, looking for, like, practical application. Like, I wasn't, like... Yeah. You just knew, like, the formatting of what a play should look like on paper or something. Yeah, yeah, you know, it all kind of, like, I, I really thought about that later. Like, a year after I was, like, writing it and I had, like, basically like a draft and a half done. I was watching this like Lewis Black documentary. And what I didn't know about Lewis Black as a comedian is that he tried to be a playwright for most of his life. And it really wasn't until like the middle of his life, like around like 50 years old is when he started picking up stand-up. But he had a quote in there that made me think a lot about playwriting. And the quote was, if you want somebody to read your play, uh, take it, roll it up, put it in a bottle, and throw it in the ocean because you'll have a better chance of somebody reading it that way. And I was like, damn, plays are dead. (laughs) (laughs) Plays been dead. (laughs) But I still wrote a play, so it's there. (laughs) (laughs) And then you could take that beer bottle and you could bottle it up. (laughs) That's right. I'm I'm always ready, man. I'm always ready. Hey, Griffin, do you see the beer we're drinking? It's your hometown. Yeah, I was, I was going to comment on that. <laughs> Some good old Ballast Point Sculpin. Blowing up. What, what's yep. the hometown? Um, he's from San Diego. Oh, San Diego. If you oh, ever go yeah. to San Diego, which I know you mentioned moving to L.A., yeah. Ballast Point Brewery is one of the nicest breweries I've been to. Damn. And yeah. maybe next to it. And you didn't even go to, like, the big one. No. And I was going to say maybe next to it is probably Stone, which we also went to on a San Diego yeah. trip. yeah. Man, I haven't done a brewery tour in a while. I've been kind of meaning to do that. I got a friend who works at like a, a fancy bar called Grand Ten where they like distill whiskey and stuff like that. She like gave me the tour of how they do that whole process. That? It's pretty great. Man, where is that? Oh, I feel like it's kind of like on the fringe of like the South End. I think Grand Ten. Yeah, I know. Me and Nicole have some. 
passes to go to a, like a whiskey distillery tour thing. It would, it, it would. It would. It wouldn't even surprise me if it was that one. It, it's it's though super small. So, but anyway, the the fans are here probably to listen to some random stuff. The the, the what, two or three fans that are listening in right now. Woo! Um, so, um, so I guess I guess we should somehow um, bring your art into this. Um, well, I, I wanted to I just jump straight you're... into Kuso and Flying okay. Lotus. Okay. <laughs> Fly low. <laughs> how, did, how did that start and where did it end up and, like, what is it? So, it's a trip. It can kind of be described, actually. There's a video of him giving an interview about, like, how he got all the people who he did in Kuso. And he says in the interview that it was a movie made on Twitter. Um I was I was gonna say Kuso Kuso seems like a wildly collaborative effort between a lot of people, yeah. and it's not just like obviously like it's Flying Lotus's direction, mm-hmm. but um, there's there's so many influences and just like skipping through the movie because I didn't really want to sit down and watch the hour and thirty minute film that it's it was a trip. like it's a trip you can tell there was like a ton of different cinematography a ton of different art that was in the movie like a ton of different like styles that were in the movie different actors all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what was interesting was when I, you know, I first sort of met him, I think it was like summer two years ago. And so at that point in time, like he was still doing a lot of the shooting of it. I remember he was like told me a bunch of things where I was like, whoa, that is not how I would like make a movie like structure wise. But he was telling me, oh, yeah, like I'm still writing the script, but I'm like shooting some stuff right now. And I'm like, oh, damn, don't you want to like have the script done before you like start shooting stuff? But really on, on his end, he was like, this is an experimental thing. This is something that's developing as we're making it. And he was really comfortable in that space. And I, and I know that he's a believer of like, you know, once you get out of like film school, which I believe is what he did, but you, you kind of have to unlearn some process in a way like the, uh, the art world, uh, at least in education can sort of really line you with the rules and yeah the project is super it really was like super collaborative like all kinds of artists had their hand in it um all kinds of musicians had their hand in it it was yeah it was dope i got to see it in a lot of different stages too i caught it like relatively early on so a lot of different cuts so like tell us about your part like oh man there's a whole bunch to that (laughs) (laughs) it was pretty wild so i guess from my point of view, he basically, like, I sent him an image of my pixel art on Twitter, just, like, tagged him in a tweet, and just was like, yeah, here's my pixel art, and then he, like, immediately... Was it, a, was it of him, or was it of... No, it was just, so, okay, some context, I guess. Um, so, at that point in time, I was really hell-bent on turning the Los Angeles album into a whole, like, every single track be its own, like, short video that all compiles into one story. So, I have, like this whole script for that. And I was like really like on one trying to get that done. And so I was working with this great animator at the time and I was getting some of the concept art going. And I basically had some concept art ready and I was like, you know, on Twitter, like, this is what I'm working on or whatever, something like that. Mm -hmm. And so um, then he saw it and then he like followed me, direct messaged me. It literally is like the craziest thing. It was like, send tweet 20 minutes later, on the phone just like talking to him about all this stuff um, wow that's wild it was really wild yeah it was it just goes to show like i can't like per, like tell artists enough like all of my major collaborations everything now it's all all stems from twitter um for me it's like my biggest networking tool but um yeah so i got signed on and he basically just told me at that point in time when i first met him like yeah i got some scenes that i want you to do or something like that and i was like okay sure <laughs> um but then like a 
few days later, the animator who I was working with on the project, who I was planning on working on Kuso with, uh, got a studio job and dropped off. So I was like, oh shit, like, one day, because finally I was like, I'll let you know when I want to work with you. I was like, okay, cool. And so I was like, one day I was going to get called on to work. And so I just started just teaching myself pixel animation, just like every day, just like a psychopath, just like... I would work my cafe job, and then I would just crush pixel art all day until eventually, uh -huh. um, yeah, I got to sort of figure out more. And the the deal was I got to do, like, two scenes. One made it to the movie. One didn't make it to the movie. Um, yeah, it's weird. It's like the one that made it to the movie was the one I worked the least on. It crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. That's how it goes. That's always how it works. I know, right? It was, yeah. It's like, man, I really wish maybe someday. He put a, he put a snippet of it because there's, like, a VR version of Kuso. Um, and he put a snippet of it in the trailer for that, so I was like, "Oh hell yeah!" So it's you know, it's in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so like, did he give you the script for it? Did he tell you what he wanted? Did like, how did he like lay out his vision to you to basically translate into your art? It was like all it was all through text. It was just like a text message. It was it was just like a, a like we would just text back and forth. And I'd be like, oh, so you mean this? Okay, let's have a call and clarify. Okay, great. That's what you want. Um, but I guess my favorite part about it was he was, like, super open to, like, whatever you wanted to do with it. It was more or less, like, he's like, this is what needs to happen here. And then he's just like, okay, so now, like, go do your thing. And then I would, like, send him art and pitch ideas to him. And he'd be like, cool, yeah, that sounds good. There's um The sequence that didn't make it in there was um i don't know how familiar y'all are with the movie but there's um sort of like a bunch of side stories that are moving through it there's like a, a bunch of plots i guess and one of them involves this ki uh, this like student with like a boil on his face mm -hmm. and he's basically like sort of re-summoning his father by like basically being force-fed his body parts <laughs> shitting them out okay <laughs> and then throwing them down like this tree that has like his dad's face in it and so as he's, like, <laughs> shitting and throwing it down the tree, his father is becoming more and more alive. Anyways, he has, like, this mother who force-feeds him, the dead dad. And so I got to, like, write the death scene for that. And so he just, like, let me fully decide how that character died. It didn't make it to the movie, but, like, that's the level of comfort he was at with, like, trusting yeah, wow. creatively. It was like, okay, cool, so the mom needs to die, and it needs to be by drowning, so, like, go. I wonder if that's how he, like, did the whole movie. In terms yeah. of, like, whoever was responsible for, like, one part, you can wing with it, and he'll decide how he wants it from there. I know Zach Fox, who had kind of, like, a big role in the movie, he um, he kind of wound up getting a lot of writing credits on it, probably because the same thing as you is, like, you know, Flying Lotus was like, this is what I want to happen, and then he came in, and especially with all his scenes, was just like, all right, how about this? How about we do it like this? Yeah, you can really actually, so. you can really see a sense of humor throughout that movie, <laughs> really. Yeah. Especially some, like, line deliveries and setups and things like that. That dude is fucking, that dude is hilarious. Yeah. Man. Top top ten Twitters. Top, oh, yeah, <laughs> easily. Oh, man. <laughs> I could go yeah. on. I could go on about that. I really. I mean, I'm very excited when that guy's a stand-up special. I'm gonna be very pumped about that. So a little bit more broadly, um, once you said you were making like pixel art, mm -hmm. but then you kind of, as Flying Lotus demanded it, you got more into the animation side. Yeah. So it always had to be like, you know, he had always imagined it would be pixel animation. 
And so by the time that I was actually working on the project, I had like about four months of animation experience under my belt. Um, and I was always working in like uh, the kind of minimal style that I'm working with now, but only in the movie I really had to like step outside of that a bit because he didn't want it to be that minimal. So, um, yeah. Oh, does that answer that question? <laughs> yeah, so, so no, you were just making, I, I said you caught his attention by making like little videos mm -hmm. about for the Los Angeles album, but they were like pixel animation. Yeah, they were just static images at that point in time, or even there were just like some drawings that I did of like concept art oh, and things okay. like that. Gotcha. Um, uh, working on it, Mike, did you ever learn anything from Flying Lotus about, you know, like the business or, you know, anything that helped you? from that kind of a standpoint as far as I don't know I'm sure he's a knowledgeable guy in marketing your stuff and creative side of things but it, I mean it sounds like you probably had minimal conversations but maybe just in the way he went about things or well you know it was it was, it was kind of interesting to like size up just like working with him in general I mean it was super friendly like you know, it, it honestly felt like a lot of these times we're having these phone calls, they would just like trail off to like talking about video games or talking about horror films or talking about other stuff. So it was really, uh, if anything, what I probably learned from it was it informed me how to trust other creative people to pull the best out of them, which is like, okay. to me, it's kind of like, I don't know, it, it's, it's uh, making people feel really comfortable. And, you know, if you're going to have... I'm sure, I mean, everybody who's creative has kind of experienced this. Like, somebody wants you for a project, you go in there, you know, you surely think that they have booked you for, for your own creative perspective. But then over time, you can kind of feel them, like, shaping more and more, and then you realize you're kind of, you're, you're less of an artist, but more of a tool for somebody else to get what they want, because they have yeah. it exactly in mind. And I would say that he gave, showed me how to, like, make a comfortable space for people and... Um, to allow artists to create their own mind's eye, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, mm -hmm. when Mike makes art for Everyday Java, I usually whip him until he like comes, <laughs> comes out with like what he what I want. It's um, crazy. It's wild. <laughs> it's a wild it's, process. It's a kinky experience, you know? to be honest. <laughs> um, but I guess from there, so Flylo kind of like was the one telling you how he wanted his thing, but letting you. Mm-hmm. Um do your work how you do it speaking on then on your own project super it friends which is an anime series you've been trying to yes. start yes and you've been trying to get um music for it voice actors mm -hmm. yes um we'll go into the like topic more of that later but how do you feel like being in charge of like people like if you're dealing with someone <clears throat> who's going to be a voice actor and they have to say certain lines mm -hmm. how do you feel like you have like, do you want them to say it a certain way? Do you want them to kind of roll with it in their own way and then go from there? How does that work in terms of, like, the difference between, like, the way Flylo, let's say, I don't want to say coached you, but... Well, it's sort of tricky because, like, a lot of, I mean, it's it's sort of weird in the sense of I typically work by myself. So really working, like, I, you know, for a while, like, with all my YouTube stuff, like, write everything, do all the voice acting myself, edit it myself get it out there even it kind of works that way now um and super it friends was at least in the, its original version one of the more collaborative experiences i had had and um you know i've done like some some play directing and stuff like that so it kind of like prepared me for how to give critique and things like that um but especially with the first version of the pilot that nobody will probably ever see um i learned a lot 
about like how to give direction um, and the timing of things and sort of, you know, you got to provide different contexts. Everybody is like their own, I don't know, there's like a secret to kind of getting what you want, but you have to speak their language. You have to learn how to do that to be able to um, either get them to understand or, I mean, the other part about at least like even just dealing with actors or, or artists in general is that you want to provide them with enough direction, but also allow for, you know, obviously their own contribution because really the best stuff is usually when people are going a little bit off of the script which is at least what I encourage a lot of my voice actors to do it's like if you're reading these lines or you feel like there should be a different line there or you uh, want to sort of just riff off and just like go and just like you're in character and you're talking like just keep letting it roll because like that's you know the most individual experience with acting is what the person has as a person it's you're sort of like imbuing the, the characters and yourself so I don't want people to like fit exactly what I've written what I've written is just supposed to be like a road map um, you know the writing is like the is is the framework of what literally has to happen the lines are kind of you know less important why would you why'd you say um, no one will see the pilot episode is it still kind of like a, a work in progress or is it still something you're evolving over time so I'm developing like a new pilot for it now basically what happened was I went like really I went ham making this first version of the pilot but I was just like so wrapped up in getting it done that I didn't really sit back and think about a lot of like the fundamental elements and if they were working well together like I was just so into this script and wanted to see if I could do it um, and I really I sunk like seven months into just like crushing it and then when I was done with it I looked at it and like a lot of people were like this is really good like this this you know, it, it communicates and it feels like you said it would, but I was like, I just feel like I could do better. I just feel like if I'm going to put this thing on the internet, if I'm going to do it, or as opposed to I'm trying to like see if I can work with the studio now. So that's a sort of, that's a sort of uh, fork in the road for me. Um, I really mm-hmm. want it to be like amazing. Um, so yeah, people won't see that version of it. They'll probably see a different, the, the script I'm producing now, which I think is much better. All right. Is a goal of your like, or maybe a dream to have it produced by Adult Swim? Because I know, what's his face? I, I don't remember saying the guy on Twitter. Oh, Jason Demarco. Yeah, he, yeah. He he's retweeted your stuff in the past. Yeah, you know. It's, he knows who you are. That, that's. Yeah, you know. I, I don't know. I I've been like sending him just just adding him. You know, it sounds so funny. It's like Twitter politics, but it's like, oh man, you didn't follow me back though. So like, I don't know how serious. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um. All the same, yeah, I'll just, I mean, occasionally I'll add him at post, he'll usually retweet it. I kind of want, I wish I knew, like, another visual artist so I could be like, hey, you do the same thing, and maybe maybe he'll retweet it, maybe he likes it. He doesn't really comment on it, um, <laughs> other than just, like, the occasional like or retweet, or sometimes I'll, like, get it out of the blue, which I'm like, oh, look, he must have gone to my page and, like, found yeah, video or something. Twitter politics, yeah. Yeah, tw- Twitter politics, man, I hate that I just said that. That's the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> no, but it is a perfect way to put it, though. yeah. I hate how much time what, I spend on social media, I tell you. What part of the, I mean, you said it was like, you know, it wasn't quite at the point that you wanted it to be. Um, was it the animation that wasn't, you think could be a bit better? Was it the, um, was it the script? Was it, what part of it do you think you could improve on kind of looking back at it? It, it was the script. Um, it was almost entirely the script. And it was, again, it was, it was pretty good. But what it didn't do is adequately sort of like show the universe um, it would be like if you're watching a show, it would be like a good like 
if there was like a season it'd be good like in the middle but it wouldn't be good as a pilot uh and so i mean i guess to kind of go into it a little bit it's you know loosely about people who you know like the earth is dead and now in response to that humanity has all uploaded its consciousness into a virtual reality which is just like the physical version of the internet to wait out the time that the earth takes to heal and so they're basically they're there in like this physical version of the internet and the super it friends are like kind of tech mercenaries sort of like cowboy bebop style like a group of like four loners put together inside the internet going through working together and like solving various people's like problems online so like somebody's printer is not working cool call the super it friends there's like the poop emoji is like trying to siphon all human life to become an immortal god okay cool call the super <laughs> it friends like it's just like blanket across the board um so the pilot episode i did that i'm probably throwing away is basically about and i, and I, I actually like the episode and concept and everything it's about like this old lady who calls them over and she's like oh my my internet isn't working and they're like, oh, okay, we thought it was going to be a dope mission, but it's just some lady's internet's working. And then they, like, realize that this old, crazy cat lady, her, like, cats are sentient, and they're, like, turning her house into a rocket ship. And they're all trying to take off to go to this, like, <laughs> like websites are, like, planets there. So they they've somehow <laughs> figured out that, like, they think pussyhub.net is going to be, like, a safe haven for cats. They have no idea it's a porn site. They're, like, hell-bent on getting the fuck out of there. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, again, it's, it's, like, an enjoyable concept objectively, but it doesn't do that great of a job of, like, uh, being more or less, like, what it feels, what it would feel like to be inside the Internet. Like, if a Google search were a physical place, well, you know, what would that look like? Or, you know, if, if people were, like, had to, like, shit-talk each other on Twitter or like through YouTube comments and, but they had to do it in person. Like, what would that look like? This is like yeah, supposed to yeah. give physicality to everything we do with technology is the sort of the idea loosely. So I know you've worked with a lot of musical artists for not only the music, but the voice actors part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Who was involved in that first pilot and who is going to be involved? Um, so who was involved was, um, like verses was involved was mm -hmm. like and didn't end up making it in but was just like super supportive and like showing my idea to people like was just like like i get like hit up by other artists who were like oh i heard you're working on this thing um but the people who were well, in well, why why was he so supportive you know i think i don't know if he knows how long of a fan i've been of like his music but he's like the, like yeah, literally oh yeah yeah like the complete the complete gateway i have into the music that i love today is completely because of that album and that was like i was like oh who's blue i was like who's blue <laughs> who's blue it was like the crazy you know it's so, wait, like and then blue exile exile produced it yeah yeah i was I all mad like the too. whole like dirty science crew i was just like so I, do we have another blue stand in here yeah man <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like the guy with like you know like the old like mad lib album on like my computer and, like all the leaks the and UCLA. yeah i have yeah did you, yep. did you hear the new mixtape release i didn't hear it yet no it, it was a very UCLA-esque type release. Oh, yeah? 20 yeah. songs with um, Shafiq Hussain, the guy who did the oh, few okay. beats off York. Yeah! Oh, man. That's and cool it, it's, too. I would say, like, at least 10 gems on there. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's old It's <laughs> old school, gems. not old school, old school blue, but, like, He's five, prolific, man. five to six years ago, um, Bandcamp, early Bandcamp blue. You know, 
Every such podcast. interesting descriptions. <laughs> <Bank> <laughs> interesting it's descriptions like me, Griffin, and Mike know what we're, I'm talking about. Patrick's yeah. like, oh. Yeah, this is real like 2012 Bandcamp Blue. Uh, <laughs> exactly. You got Does it. Doesn't Bandcamp Blue <laughs> sounds like a League of Legends skin? <laughs> it really does. Uh, what were we talking about? We're ta- oh, uh, pe- people who are in, in Super IT Friends. Oh, yeah, versus. Uh, so, you know... He was in there. I was trying to get Nico Gray in there. Uh, uh, Zero is in it. Uh, man, he's been a fan. I didn't even know. He's been a fan of my videos for a long time. Really? Like, way before I was ever doing so he just, animation. just, like, followed you? And... Yeah, which is crazy, because I didn't know he was, like, paying attention. I was, because I was a huge John Wayne fan, too. So I was always, like, you know, they released, like, what is it? I don't even know who officially has the song, like, Watching Me. That was, like, one of my gateway songs. Or, like, Passing Fancies was, like, my other gateway song into all their music. And I'd just be, like, tweeting at him all the time, like, <laughs> so, like, are you guys all going to click? I was, like, so in it. Um, so I'm sure he found my old YouTube channel that way and probably found some of my old comedy stuff. Uh, so, yeah, he was just, like, on board. He was, like, hell, yeah, you're making something? I'm down. And then he got uh, Low Leaf to be the um, the female lead in that, too. We were talking about um, Gene Gray and Quilly Chris the other day. Mm-hmm. Zero and Lowly for the better couple. <laughs> yeah, man, it's crazy. They're they're, you know, what's so dope is they they got to like record their voiceovers together. This is why it's so sad the original will come out. So like you can really hear like the fact that I could have like two character voice actors in the same room like oh, reading the yeah. lines. Even though like man, I wish I wrote better lines, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like you but, could hear like how. Like, the, the mic was the same, or how they were right next to each other? No, you could just tell. I mean, I could, like, hear, like, like, like Zero laughing in the background while oh. she was doing her takes and stuff like that. I was like, that's good, because, like, they're supposed to have, like, some a level of chemistry and cohesion, and it's really hard yeah. to get, like, internet voice actors to feel that cohesion, because they're just not in the same place. Um, nice. So, yeah. That's a cute date. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh... So, well, when it comes to animating itself, um, do you find it... More fun, because obviously, um, just based on our conversation, you're like a highly creative person, especially when it comes to creating your own narrative. Mm-hmm. Do you find it more fun to animate, um, like your own narrative, or or something like I like I saw you had a little clip of like part of the Marcellus uh, of uh, what do you call it the uh, oh Pulp Fiction yeah. Pulp Fiction yeah. Um, and and you know there, you've had like little videos like uh, like Red by uh, or. Uh, read by steve lacy and stuff like that mm-hmm. um like do you find it more fun to animate those things like those narratives that are already there kind of bringing those things to life or kind of your own story um it's kind of weird i would probably say that actually i mean i guess it's more gratifying when your own work comes together but for me like some people have a hard time showing their art or because it has to be just perfect i'm like the exact opposite i have to have like somebody hold me back because i'm gonna like s- send out something half-baked like as soon as i can because I just, like, I love the, like, the reception and the conversation around it. Oh, no, I'm all good. Um, but, yeah, I like I like doing the snippets. Really, all the snippets were, I was sort of sitting and thinking about, like, how can I make teaching myself animation really interesting? And I was like, all right, if I do these snippets, then in every snippet, except for probably now, where I'm just, like, making stuff I want to make because it's funny to me, um... Uh, I was like trying to learn a skill or a technique and I was like if I can turn my practice into something practical to like get my name out there then that will be like all encompassing I'll like want to practice because mm-hmm. you know yeah. a lot of times I'd like reach out you know I send put the animation online and you know more times than not the artist will respond to that um, 
And so, yeah, that just, you know, really fueled me to want to like learn faster and faster and faster. And when I like sit down and I'm like, oh, I could do this technique. And then I'm like, oh, what would be a good song to apply that to? And then I just like look through what I really like and then just pick something. Um, so yeah. Do you, do you feel like you um, doing that also helps just getting fans? Because yeah. it's it, it like it's just a, an alley-oop to their timeline like yeah. half the time. Oh, yeah. No, no, definitely. I mean, it's that. Well, that's Tyler retweeted you, right? Yeah, that was crazy. That was an especially weird time um, because it was weird because of the amount of time you left it on his page. And it was also weird because the phrasing led some people to believe that different things were going on. Like you made the video? Oh. No, no. So the the key the key element in what made some people get a little weird with me was I wrote um, something to the effect of the tweet was like you know I always wanted to work on a video with Tyler the creator uh, but until then here's this and so when he retweeted it people were like oh shit they're gonna work together uh. and so I got like a bunch of musicians just like out of the fucking woodwork just like. <laughs> Hey, so uh, I really like your uh, animation. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, no, I really like that Tyler thing you did. It's like, man, it's been like two hours. Like, I know. Was that, his, was that his uh, his verse on biking? Yeah. Oh, shit, dude. Mm-hmm. I love that video. That video version of that is crazy. That 50 mm-hmm. seconds. Man, I love that video. Yeah. I love that. I've been like heavy, heavy into Frank Ocean lately. Did you listen to the Endless CDQ? I did, yeah. Beautiful. It's so beautiful. Like, I, I... That's crazy. So oh, actually being a Blue fan... I, I, I've learned to never, like, be like, oh, there's a master version coming, or there's a mm-hmm. CDQ version coming, because it was going to be the same things I knew Blue wanted it that way. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I thought Frank Ocean wanted it that way. Mm-hmm. Like, in, like, this... I thought, honestly, it was recorded in the way that it was supposed to be, like, echoey and yeah. heavenly. Mm-hmm. But then I heard the CDQ, and I was like, no, this is beautiful. Yeah, it it's... Is, it's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. I, I used to have, like, a version of it, um, you know, that had like all like the, the power tools and noises in it too. Actually, I mean, <laughs> like no lie. Like I, I mean, the CDQ is, is gorgeous and beautiful and, and, but there's, there's something to like, uh, like really natural sound that I really like too. almost, mm-hmm. almost like you're hearing it. You can feel the space that it, that it's made in more than it being, um, like manufactured. I mean, though, yeah, the CDQ is unbelievable. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm wondering if, cause right now I got it out, like through a link. Like, mm-hmm. it was like a Dropbox link. I'm wondering if it's going to be actually, like, officially released, though. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'd imagine it would be, right? Because he does own all of his music now, right? I don't know. I'm, I'm Endless sure. is the no, one he I does. He does. That, that was the thing, is that yeah. he, he bought all his masters. Mm-hmm. That was, like, that was partially why everything took so long to come out, is because of the legal battle of getting all his masters, getting control of all that. Yeah, then so. I, I would suspect that we would see it. I'd also suspect that eventually we'll get all the the CDQ versions of the the other snippets that came out, like the Chanel with like ASAP Rocky or the oh, yeah. Slide I On wonder. Me with Young Thug or those other. I versions. also feel like that's that's probably why the vinyl has taken so long to ship is because he's. It, I'm pretty sure he's like a completely independent distributor now. Yeah, like he he has he has to find some way to get. Obviously, these thousands on thousands on thousands of people buying these records, keeping them all under wraps so nothing leaks, and then shipping them. People you know, make it seem like it's easy, like it shouldn't show up the next day. Like, I know. Yeah, five months, I think is what it took, or six mm-hmm. months. Either way, it's a lot of time, but a vinyl pre-order should at least be three months. If what they're doing is when they get the pre-order, they're ordering them after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vinyl, yeah, and that, that's that's what I imagine he from did. From independent artists, he, like he yeah. is now. 
Yeah. He's got the craziest fans. They're like the cra- they're so fickle. It's unbelievable. It's unfucking believable. Like it was how... a meme. The Frank Ocean yeah. vinyl of Endless was like a meme at this point. Yeah, because like, I haven't gotten it yet. It's like yeah, we know. Like have you ever ordered a pre-ordered a vinyl before? Like it takes a long time. But and and like and it wasn't like a special edition. Like we're only doing a thousand of these or something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. Was... I don't think so. That's right. It was yeah. just like kind of open season. Yeah. So yeah. So it was like I guess he needed to number one see how many he had to make, and then. They had to produce all that vinyl and then obviously package it all up and ship it all. So like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. From what I understood when making the Oyoto vinyl, um, if I would have done something that messed it up, which could have been a step like I sent the wrong art, it oh would have backed god. it up like a month or two months. Oh my god! And it's like I didn't send it 300 DPI, or I didn't, or I sent the wrong files, and it, that month of, or like it would have been like a two week approval backup. And then if I sent the the music wrong, it would have been another two. Like there's just so much stuff that could back it up. Yeah. And imagine being like an indecisive person on one side. Oh yeah. It, that, that that's that'll take two three extra months. Oh yeah, like, and just easy. I mean, assuming the schedule he has, you know. Yeah. Ah, you know. Like if you tell if like Frank Ocean got like the art decline, then he's <laughs> got to decide on how he wants to do the art. Maybe that takes him another month. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then it's like that's two months that it's gonna take backlog, and that's all I could have done. Yeah. But anyway, I got the notification that it is shipping to my house. Oh, I wish I should have got it, man. I should have got it. It's gonna be worth the regret. Like, the regret. Blonde, I think, goes for like four hundred dollars. Every time I don't buy these things, I regret it. It's crazy. I um I yeah. There's a trend here that maybe you should just buy. It. I gotta buy it. <laughs> I gotta just buy it. everything. Yeah. I gotta buy everything. I um <laughs> the no name vinyl for telephone. I like didn't know if I wanted that bad, but it was like limited to thousand. I'm like. Eh, hey, fuck it. I'll buy it then. <laughs> it goes for like two fifty now. Oh my god. I don't doubt it. That album is also amazing. Yeah. That is a beautiful album. And it's just a normal like black vinyl. It's nothing special edition. It's just the fact that it was a thousand mile yeah. run. Um, but yeah, speaking of merchandise, you haven't released anything, I think, up to date, merch-wise, through any of your art. Yep. Mm-hmm. But you're working on it. You got some stickers and a cool cigarette box you posted some pictures of. Yeah. When is this going to be available? And how cool is it going to be? It's going to be... I think it's going to be really cool. I was, like, really freaking pleased with it, which is dope. Because, you know, I was like, I don't know, man. This is my first time going through all these things, so I was kind of waiting for, like, what's going to be, like, the big fuck-up. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. But, um, yeah, it should be available soon. I got all the stickers in for the box. The cigarette box is dope. Honestly, like, the whole, the whole concept of that, there's a... Um, I don't. I don't. I, I, he goes by hallway on the internet. His his like uh, Twitter tag is like this little like flashlight, like thing. He's he's been like a music blogger for a really long time. But anyways, I had like a phone call with him a while ago. I remember he was just like geeking out to me about packaging because he's like a, he wants to make like hip hop comics is his whole thing, and so. He's like, how dope would it be to have a comic book on, like, a big-ass piece of newspaper? Like, imagine opening a whole newspaper. <laughs> a whole newspaper is the comic. How crazy would that be? And he's like, packaging is everything. Packaging is fucking everything. Think about when you get a new iPhone, you peel the plastic off. Like, think of how dope that feels. Think about how dope it is when you get a really cool box with all the little boxes in it. And I was like, I guess you're right. It's like a, well, I don't ever really think of it like that. So when I was, like, going through this custom packaging site, I saw they could do cigarette boxes. And I was like, oh, that'd be kind of cool because then you... You get the stickers, then you also get the box, and if it's a cigarette box, then you can put things in it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Patrick was wondering how we're going to wrap Blue back into us, but 
we're speaking about merch boxes, <laughs> and the Give Me My Flowers box. Even though it took like a year to get, took it was so awesome. Long. Yeah, I think it, it was definitely longer than the Endless Vinyl, but it was a box about one and a half foot by one and a half foot. I oh, think. like the big one, like the, the Give Me My Flowers. Oh. It was. Yeah, it was I like saw that. it felt like a. It was a it's little chest. Times. I should have bought that. The fuck. And then you open it up and it's all the goodies. You get the like, the the rolling papers, the oh, a seven inch, the vinyl, a poster, a shirt. Did the shirt come with it, Griffin? Yep. Yep. And it was it was like, honestly, like sixty bucks. What? Um. Why did I not buy? Did it this? come with a bouquet? It's, that would have been cute too. If, if there or even if just a flower would have been cute. Yeah. It would have up dead and that would have been so symbolic. <laughs> Um, but no, it did but, but like, that gets to the point of like, I mean, I would have gotten it, if Blue would have taken a shit in the box and sent it to me, I would have been like, all right, 20 bucks, I got it. <laughs> nice, it anyway. nice. <laughs> um, but <laughs> packaging is everything. Like, uh, the fact that this box was 60 bucks and I could have gotten like all the limited edition stuff was really cool to me. And I think in a day where it's like, it's digital or like nothing basically mm-hmm. that nothing has to be replaced with like the cassettes like that's why i do cassettes because cassettes are cheap and they're novelty and we do your stickers to add with it mm-hmm. and i think mm-hmm. that's a cool package yep and they're yeah and and it's something like physical to hold that's cheap yeah. from this world that like yeah you aren't you might not throw it in a in a in a tape deck or something like that but it's like something to physical hold physical exactly. to hold from like, this digital world people are collecting yeah. vinyl because mm-hmm. they don't want to listen on their record player that's like like I feel like it's someone did a study. It's like thirty to seventy, like seventy percent of the collectors now at least are collecting to collect. Mm-hmm. They just want to have a physical copy of the album, and I yeah of course it's not gonna go away. It's like part of fandom. Mm-hmm. Like I think CDs were like the middle ground in that like transition, of like, well people still like their like it's like you can have digital music, but it's like now CDs are useless because mm-hmm. you're paying extra money for them. And it, they're digital, but you can stream for free. Yeah. So it's like a very defeating purpose. Whereas vinyl, you pay extra couple dollars, you have a whole packaging deal. But how much more do we like a vinyl when it comes with a poster inside, or like the like the listing, or something like that? Mm-hmm. Like that that was that's my whole idea with every deja vu. We come with a sticker. The Japan release comes with pins. Um, our next Satchel release is coming with um, guitar picks. See, that's awesome. See, that, that I, that's dope. That's great. Like, I, it's just little extra things that, mm-hmm. like, you know, make something more than just like a single album worth it. You know? Yeah. Like, it's gonna cost you. Like, the picks don't cost much, but like, no one. First of all, no one's gonna go create their own Satchel picks. Like that. That's just a silly thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but. To have that little Satchy pick come with your cassette, I think is going to be badass. And you get to open the cassette, you get to see the cassette art. It's not just something added on your Apple Music, and people are going to pay the $10 for that. And I think that's what makes merch so special. And, yep. like, especially, like, your art. Like, people can see it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. But, like, people want to, like, hold things and be a part of a fandom and be a part yeah. of something cool and feel like they're like, a yeah, part of it and contributing yeah, they... to it. Yeah, they saw it on Twitter, and now it's, like, in their hand. Yeah. So, like, there's a whole community there. It's not like you could just run to a pop-up shop, pop-up shop, or it's, like, you know, I guess back in the day, kind of run into, like, a into like a Zoomies or, like, a mm-hmm. fucking, 
Hot Topic or something like that and like pick up all the merch from like these kind of like lesser known people. Um, so, yeah, no, totally. Speaking of merch, I, I haven't. I showed Griffin an article. I don't know, if Patrick, you looked at it, but we're gonna play a little game. It's uh, is this merch real or not real, oh, or man. official or not official? I'm so into this. So I looked up a bunch <laughs> of like weird ones, and I made up a couple of my own, or I looked up unofficial ones. I think I have like six here. <laughs> we gotta yeah. make sure he's not looking at the screen. No, 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 actually. I'm yeah. good. I'm good. I, I think I don't know if this is even blocked him or not, but okay. So I'm gonna name. I, I think on the last. So let me actually speak. Every time we've done indie chatter, we've done a, a game. The first one I really liked, it was, um, which, is this an Absol, no, which lyric is an, the Absol lyric? <laughs> and we would that give was the, my favorite. Yeah, we'd give the Absol lyric, and then we'd give another corny rap lyric. <laughs> so we picked, like, Common, Eminem, and, like, random ones. Yep. Um, Gambino. I, I think Sean, who's our guest, there. got, like, four out of five or three out of five? Yeah, he probably got, like, yeah. He was pretty good at deciphering it. He's, like... Yeah. We got down to like what an absolute lyric is, and it's like, yeah, Absol's like really egotistical and in your face about like how smart he is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we Damn, we really that's... dug down into like Absol's psyche of how he raps and why he raps the way he raps. Yeah, sounds like y'all might have learned too much. <laughs> and um... <laughs> oh yeah, I actually have it here still. Like, let me put my mouth where you potty poo. That's an obvious Absol. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That is an unbelievable lyric. <laughs> but oh um, then the next week after we we had it with Kari, and we chose which one is the real hip hop headline, and we we would put um we we got some off like the Onion, we got some off of Click Hole, and we just made some up. But it but next to like ridiculous ones like B O B never believed in the slave trade. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Which is a ridiculous real yeah, one. Yeah yeah. 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 <laughs> or like or like. Project Pat writes an op-ed in the New York Times about something, uh, about something ridiculous. Yeah, I don't, the, yeah, in the New York. I'm really gullible. I don't know. That like, it was I'm, a real one. He he wrote like an investor in the column in the New York Times or something. Oh shit! Yeah. Um, Inspector Deck put someone in the trash can. I don't remember who. No, oh, that um, was um, uh, fucking oh, um, the guy, the guy, immortal, immortal technique. Um, uh, threw Lin Manuel Miranda in the trash in high school, like bullied <laughs> in high school, and that's a real thing. Like, oh my god! He, he did get bullied in high school by Immortal Technique. So I got some here. Um, the first one is Eminem sold bricks from his house that he grew up in. That he wrote, I think, his first album in. <laughs> so, are, so is he guessing if it's true no, or not? You guys are all a part of this. I'm not telling you the answer until uh, everyone answers. It's you tell me uh, if, yeah. if it's real or it's not real. I, I, I bet it's real. Uh, I'm gonna say it's not real because I think he lived in a trailer. Okay, I'm gonna say it's real. So you got two for real, one for not real. It's real. I'm not sure the the, uh. the history behind it. I quickly saw it. But yes, he did sell bricks from one of his old houses that he made his earlier okay. music in. Do you just like dismantle the whole house? <laughs> it's probably like the memorial of Detroit. It's like Eminem or God. That's so weird. Did like, he do it himself? Was it personal? 
<laughs> Probably some expensive shipping. What if someone's too? living in there? He just like goes sneaks by. He's like, shit, don't buy another brick. <laughs> it's like somebody else. It's someone else living there. Like, who's this guy who keeps coming to the house? He's taking one brick at a time. He's like, I'm gonna take this whole Marshall. house. Marshall. <laughs> Griffin's right though. That's probably like that's a really high shipping cost right there. Yeah, if you're shipping <laughs> like a, really heavy. If you're shipping like a five pound brick, even if it's a small box, that's a lot of shipping. It is. Yeah. All right. Next one. Pharrell made a liquor called cream but it was spelled q r e a m <coughs> i'm gonna say false i want to believe false it didn't say what liquor it was no. i'm gonna say false that just doesn't sound real uh i'll say true just to oppose these two patrick you're right what pharrell yeah, made a liquor called cream i'm gonna assume it's a liqueur oh man can you see a picture of this we're gonna pull up a picture right now oh wow what a bottle <coughs> Yeah, that is a, quite the bottle. It, it looks very... It's um, really big. It's, it is a liqueur, by the way, in New York City. Damn, that's ugly. Wow. And, and, and Pharrell's... Wow, like, he, like, that promo picture is hilarious. <laughs> oh, he's got, like, his man. hand on his cheek. Like, he's resting on his hand, but he's standing straight up, so he's not resting. It looks like a wrapped ham. <laughs> okay, so it, I, just, I just looked it up, and this headline, which is real, it says, Pharrell Williams, Diago's, or... Diego's critical and avoidable mistakes killed Q Cream Dream. Q Cream so Dream. It, it did. It did not do well because uh, the partner did not keep up uh, to its part of the bargain to make the product a success. Damn. So Pharrell put the name, but the uh, other investor apparently did not market it well enough. How are you gonna slight Pharrell like that? Um. All right, on to the next one. Oh, and apparently, as of 2013, he was Pharrell was seeking five million dollars in damages because <laughs> because this guy apparently <laughs> fucked up in terms of his uh. Nice. Get your get, um, get your money. Get keep getting liquor. those checks. Damn. Never never let the business die. You know, get something out of it. But on to the next one. Tenacious D cum rags. Oh no, I'm just gonna say that's that's too believable. Keep in mind, um, these are. Not that I made them up, but they could be fan-made. Fan-made would be false. Made by the band or artist is true. That sounds like something Jack Black would do, so I'm saying yes. I'm going to say... I'm going to go false because you just gave this qualifier, and I'm going to assume there's a, cum, a Tenacious D cum rag out there on the internet somewhere. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with false because that's going to, you know... <laughs> Jack's going to be in some trouble. This is going to be right where the trouble starts. It is true. There was a Tenacious no! D cum rag made. Are you serious? Look, the official store. Tenacious Why? D cum rag accessories. Like from oh, the see, I I had a different thing in my head here. It, it is just a cute little rag with For a unicorn reason, and a rainbow on it. I imagine it was like used or something. I don't know why I thought so. <laughs> this is the same size as a golf towel, but this isn't a golf towel. It's a cum rag. The cum rag. Could there be a better gift? Is a description. Does it say? Does it say like cum rag on it? It says or no? the official Tenacious D cum rag. Everything else is just a cum rag. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Wow. I used to. Uh, I remember Richie bought. Uh, we used to watch The Pick of Destiny a lot in middle school, and like high school. So he bought like two like picks, and like we bought. We had like the Pick of Destiny. Yeah. Oh, yeah necklace. Necklaces. Yeah. Uh huh. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, we had me and Richie had matching necklaces, yes, and I wore it to school. All right, next ones. So, Justin Bieber pinata. 
So this would have to be made by yeah, Justin like, uh, Bieber. There has to be one out there. For it to be real. But was one made by Justin Bieber ever? No, no I'm going to say that's false. false. I'm I'm gonna go with with false as well. Yeah. Yeah. He's not that. Yeah. He's not that uh, humble, or I guess uh, he doesn't have that sense of humility yet. What would it I just like think. a pinata of himself? What would the pinata be? Yeah, just, just at, like a universal pinata. I feel like imagine at a little girl's party, especially when he was like popular, young, <laughs> and they brought a Justin Bieber pinata. But then I feel like that would cause beef with like anyone who likes. Yeah, him. why would they want to beat up the Justin Bieber pinata if they love him so much? True. What is this? I'm looking at. I'm, I'm seeing if I can extend it. I have one more. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Hold on, I'll look away. Um, but okay, so the next one I have, Mastodon booty shorts. Uh, yeah, I'll just say yeah. I'll say true. Yeah, I'll say that's true. I saw. Mastodon's the Wait, band with this? all those like. I actually had that one before. And I was like, shit, shit, it's good, but yeah, yeah. Mastodon is they have their own booty shorts. But Mastodon's the one with all like those massive like creatures, right? They like dress up real like. I don't know. I don't even know. What you no, call them. I think Costumes, you're thinking of War. Yeah, yeah, that's what War had their own barbecue sauce. Oh, that's <laughs> you were wondering. That is amazing. Oh, okay. Um. All right. Nickelback trading cards. I really cards. need to brush up on my on my heavy metal. Um, Nickelback trading cards. False. There's only four members, but I guess you could have different. I, I'll say it's true. I want to believe. Yeah. I, I I have a set of Carmelo Anthony trading you know, I'll cards. I'll follow that up with another here. one. Weird Al trading cards. I want to believe. <laughs> yeah, since Patrick wanted to bring up four members, can Weird Al have his own? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can. Because wait, what was the answer to Michael Millions? I'll get to that once you answer the Weird Al one. Uh, I'll I'll say uh, true on him, <laughs> false on Nickelback. True on both? No, false uh, false on Nickelback. Who do you think, Mike? I'll say true. I, on I believe. Both. I want to believe in all of it. I'll say true. <laughs> so Griffin says false on Nickelback, true on Weird Al, and you guys say true on both. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. I have a popcorn kernel stuck in my throat. I'm, I think, <laughs> but I will say. Nickelback is false and Weird Al is true. There was a Weird oh. Al trading card. Good call, Griffin. Um, I was thinking I had Carmelo trading cards, but I just have a um, a playing. I think it's just like a oh, yeah, it's like a playing. Oh, deck. Kenneth got you those, right? And it's Carmelo, yeah. And they are. I don't know if you can read it. The normal <laughs> way, but they're from, they're wow. And then, and then the Joker card is uh, J.R. Smith, Mello, and Lala. Oh. <laughs> And yeah, and then just like there's just a bunch of pictures of him, like the number five is or the number six <laughs> or whatever, so just great. like him in a Knicks uniform. But then you get to like you, like a lot of them are in New York, but then like the ten is the ten of diamonds is like mellow and Denver. <laughs> you get like they're pretty good. Oh, and then the ace. This looks like yeah, this must be uh like right before his rookie year. Ooh. Yeah, it's just like that, that's that's mellow. like the you're into the league. Yep. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. the Jordan brand poser. Right <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's when you've like signed to a brand, but you haven't like been drafted by a team yet or something. <laughs> or but either way, that's still like the kind of Nuggets powder blue. I have the one. Kenneth got me World of Warcraft <laughs> oh, playing cards. Good. Pretty badass. This one's good. The two of clubs. Look at this two of clubs here. Oh wow. Yeah. This looks like he's been listening to like a lot of like Jim Jones. Yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe right some papoose. 
Yeah. He's flying high. No lie. All right, so I'm going to give you guys two to end it off together. Because I feel like these go well together. <clears throat> we got U2 skis. <laughs> so a U2 themed ski set. Or, or and, it's up to you. Um, Rolling Stone condoms. I'll say yes to Rolling Stone condoms. I'll say no to you two skis. Well, There's say, nowhere to ski in Ireland. I'll say the opposite. <laughs> Wait, would you say Griffin? The opposite of what Patrick said. Okay. Oh man, I want to believe in the skis, even though I don't think. You know what? I'm gonna say yes to the condoms, no to the skis. Yes to the condoms, no to the skis. So whoever said no is correct because both of those are fake. But oh, I wanted uh, to believe in those YouTube skis. <laughs> but there was actually U2 condoms, and there was Rolling Stone skis. What the fuck? Um, oh, this guy damn. getting all tricked. <laughs> good old switcheroo. I feel tricked. <laughs> Once we get to the hearts of this melodrama, <laughs> none of them are like his playing years. They're just like pictures uh, of like Mello smiling. You no, know, they're not Whoa, his playing years, but they are his heart. playing years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lala didn't know about yeah, this. They're, yeah, they're they're his playing apostrophe and here oh, see there's Mello with his little oh, son. Man, Look at that. That's cute. And then there's him playing. There's him playing. I Ooh. think that's another one of him there. He looks so cool. Yeah. He looks badass. Oh, hold up. This might be the best one. This is Mello on fire. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And that's the Jack of Hearts. So, Jack, yeah, good the Jack stuff, of good Hearts content is here. On fire. Yeah. Oh, look, this must be. Oh, yeah, speaking of Jordan brand, this must be high school mellow. Wow. Whoa. Looks like it. That, that, like, that was taking on, like, the first digital camera. This is, like, really first bad podcasting that's a piece of history. because <laughs> no one else is going to see this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, wonder, that's all right. I wonder if people could Google this. Like, Patrick, oh, you're gonna have Patrick to post a company talked about pictures. the Jack of Hearts. Let me look it up. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, Nickelback should have sold photographs. You know, like fucking like Polaroids. Oh, yeah, they, I'm, uh, I'm I'm sure yeah, they, they probably did. did. I'm sure they shows did. like they had like. I hope so. Like, you know. Polaroids lined up. I can only hope. Yeah. Do Do we have anything yeah. else from Mike, guys? I, I think I think. No, but I just I just um when I was looking through your videos just a couple days ago or whatever. Mm -hmm. They just reminded me so much. Like I was, I was wondering why this like pixel animation looks so familiar, and then it reminded me that I saw the one video back on VH1 and MTV forever ago, um, the junior senior video, for Move Your Feet. Whoa! And it's all pixel animation. I don't know what that is. And really, oh, you should. Yeah, I I just like put it on like the doc just to like remind myself. Oh, but it's like what? a whole. Oh, we gotta watch. This. It's. It's it's awesome. Again, I guess this is bad podcast material if you're watching it, but like it is awesome. <laughs> we're, we're, this is a this is a viewing listening session right now. <laughs> yeah, awesome. and the song and the song's fire too. It's from like the early two thousands. Oh my god! Who made that? this? Uh I I was looking it up earlier. Let me let me look it up the they had they, they've directed a bunch of other videos um as well more facts that's so cool look at that he's got the tuba um it was um a group shinola. of three visual artists and yeah shinola yeah what the fuck is that from london oh cool 
And this is back in 2003 or something. Myocarditis at the age of 33. Damn. Oh, wow. Oh. Their name is a reference to Shinola, a wax-based shoe polish from the early 1900s. Wow. Oh, that's pretty dope. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sucks fire. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <laughs> Damn, that horse just got fucked up. That squirrel's doing great, though. Oh, the yeah. hot dog! <laughs> oh, my God! The hot dog's killing it. <laughs> oh, wait, I've seen this. I've seen the ketchup gift before. Oh, okay. All right, I've definitely seen gifts of this online. Why is she trying to... What is this mustache? I wonder if this mic is picking up the audio or... I would hope so. Probably. I would hope so. So our, our, all of our fans listening right now are really a bit encapsulated. <laughs> That's right. You've got to put that in the description. You have to go uh, junior, senior, move your feet video <laughs> watch party. <laughs> Click when we get excited. <laughs> yeah. Look at the it's duck without a C. Yeah, that duck is reading a newspaper with his own name on it. That's crazy. Is that, so is that, I'm guessing that was a boy? Or else this is some crazy nudity Whoa. going on. Yeah. What it, you know what it reminded me a lot of, um, especially once they get to the chorus, and there are all those um, uh, kind of like little smiley faces like singing the background vocals in this video. It reminded me of like the Apple and emojis thing that they did with uh, like uh, that they did with Redbone and that they did with uh, um, stir, fry. Uh, stir fry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah honestly, honestly, the emojis got me into stir fry. Yeah. Not gonna lie. Same. Seeing seeing the little the little fox. And then the scenes mm -hmm. where it's like, it's like the fox rapping, I think. And then it's like the poop emoji doing the ad-libs in the background. How can you not fall in love? <laughs> you have to. I, li I like this montage of the stick figures they got going on. This squirrel, he's a little devil. He wins first place and he's blowing people up now. Yeah, this squirrel actually kind of sucks if you really think about yeah, it. He like... shot off Abraham Lincoln's hat. Like, you're too close. This squirrel hat was on top of the world. He had the trophy. He had what he wanted. And now he's going to hurt people. Oh man! And now he just can't blow things up. So, uh, oh yeah! All right, everybody dies. The world. That's the end. Good everybody job. dies. Well, so you know, I guess that always. Oh, that's not the end. I was gonna say it goes to show you that. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, I wasn't expecting like a tie interceptor at the very end. Like, <laughs> it goes to show you that you can get all you want, and you still want to blow up the world. The squirrel. There are some real monsters out there. <laughs> is, is this the album cover itself? How are they it's not going to use the hot dog for all their branding? Yeah, that's a shame. That's why they're not. That's why no one knows about Junior Senior anymore. Yeah, the kids don't. Talk yeah, that was like their one big song. So, well, yeah. All right, so we want to wrap this up. It was a very, very nice ending. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it was interactive, right? Our, our fans mm -hmm. are probably like watching the hot dog. Very <laughs> our last remaining fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's there's that guy who there's there's somebody on SoundCloud who always reposts our stuff, but I don't think he even listens, but he reposts it all the time. I know his face, I don't remember the username, but he's still here and he's like fist pumping right now, like yes, <laughs> thank you for talking about me. It's like that's me, I'm the one. <laughs> um, so every every time we have an episode, we have a one third empty, which is like the shitty part of the week, the episode, what's happening. What is the one-third empty, guys? Oh. Mm, we should really change that branding. Yeah, it's kind of sad. We should sad, probably right? not end up on like, it. I kind of I mean, like we've done like, sad note. We've done, yeah. This we've done like 65 of these so far, but like, you know, 
and now we change the branding. But, uh, hmm, that's a good question. What rough things have happened this week? The Nuggets didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, Carmelo's, Carmelo's Nuggets. <laughs> the Carmelo playing card Nuggets didn't make the playoffs. Um, in terms of music, so here's one. It's not bad for, I guess, people, but it, it's disappointing for me. Tyler, the creator, joined Childish Gambino's tour, or at least some dates. And I just saw Tyler, so that means I'm being taxed to see Donald Glover, basically, um, at TD Garden. What do you mean? Because like I don't want, I don't care to see Tyler the Creator again now, at least, or I wouldn't pay for it. But you know that adds a little bit more probably to go see him. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Like I'd want to go see Childish Gambino, but mm. I'm gonna have to pay now more because Tyler the Creator is added to the the bill the, the gambino tickets were already expensive yeah, I, I remember yeah, seeing the price really and I, think I didn't want to go um unless like i like had the perfect opportunity to do it but yeah tyler creator being added definitely prices are going higher because those are two like yeah. pretty culty fan groups involved that's yeah. that's scary that's like, gonna be a weird crowd i think tyler the creator could be close to selling out td guard if he didn't perform in boston anytime soon well, it looks like he's not even performing in Boston, Ryan, so you'd be fine. Oh, really? No, Ray Shremmerd or whatever the name is. Oh. Yeah, that's... Tyler, the creator's that, performing that's actually not a... in the October dates. Oh, wait, no, uh... he'll be here for Boston Calling, though. He's on that, oh, on that yeah. lineup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just saw... I got... Are you going to Boston Calling? I want to go to the Saturday one. Who's on Saturday? It's Tyler and Brockhampton. Oh, so okay. that's I'm like I gotta they've go. Both been, I mean, I saw Tyler and I see Brockhampton, but they both been. You're gonna around. see so many 17 year olds there. I know, oh, yeah. I know, I know. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I feel like there'll definitely be a fight between Odd Future fans and Brockhampton fans. <laughs> like it, like it, like yeah. it doesn't matter in the end, but they they, they have to make it matter. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well. All right. Very good podcast, I guess. Thanks I guess for I'm coming gonna... on, Mike. Oh, yeah. Thanks yeah, for thank having me. Thank you so much, Mike. Meeting y'all, too. Super fun. Yeah, for sure. You know? Definitely. Whenever you another person to talk about random shit, you know? I can mm-hmm. talk about random shit sometimes. Depends on the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, the hot dog!